or listen to the Dradcast episode 90 with special guest Rami Like Pastrami Abraham. This episode of the Dradcast is brought to you by Pagely, the one and only original WordPress managed host. So if you're looking for rock solid WordPress hosting, contact the experts at Pagely.com today. Get ready for the Dradcast. Your favorite nerds. Brad Williams and Dre Armada bring you high-octane conversations with new guests every week. Covering the latest news, insight on recent events, and interviews with tech titans. Pour yourself a quality cocktail. What kind of software? Sit back and chill. Because the Dradcast starts now. Oh, that's right. It's the Dradcast. We're back. Another episode. Number 90. Dre, we are out of the 80s. That only took like a year. <laughs> Nine zero. That's crazy, man. I, I wish it would take that long for me to get there, but uh, probably not quite. Uh, we'll be like, dude, I'll, I'll reach like 76, 77 years old. You'll be changing my diapers. Uh, and we still have not reached 100 episodes. That is a, that's a sight. I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad we're talking about your diapers about one minute into the show. Good times. That's that's how I say. Well, it's been a while, man. I mean, yeah. other than the fact that we work together day in and day out, so I did just talk to you five minutes ago. But beyond work, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a show. We've had a, a a perfect storm of of I don't know shit going on. So between getting well, I mean, sick and the blizzard of 2016 and whatever else, scheduling conflicts, it's been a challenge the last couple of weeks. You know, those colds have been going around, man. I know at my house here, I, I've caught it. I've caught it a few times over the last. Uh, geez, three months or so, uh, the girls have, have gotten in. And uh, e- even just looking at the internal company chat, man, it's like every every other day it's like someone else is dropping. Um, so it's just that time of the year, and uh, hopefully we're past that. I think that we should start the new year again as of, like, yesterday, right? So, like, January. <laughs> the 1st was, of February, right? J- January was like funny ha-ha. That's just <laughs> like uh, the, the, you know, the pre Pre-party to, to an awesome word camp. How that's, about a, that? that's a cold game, 2016. January started off pretty shitty across the board, man. <laughs> uh, geez, celebrity deaths left and right. Trouble getting on the Dradcast. It's, uh, it was a tricky one. But here we are. We're back. We're recording another show. And, and of all days, it just the day we're recording, which isn't the day this is released, but it is, uh, it's Groundhog Day. Yeah. Which is, uh, I just realized like literally like 10 minutes ago that it's Groundhog Day. What, you know, what do you need to do? Uh, so, like, we need to, like, record and release the episode on Thursday, like, like every minute on the minute, maybe hour, every hour on hour. What do you think? Man, I, yeah, why not? Just keep doing it. Just repeat the same episode over and over. It is Groundhog Days. You better get your booties. It's cold out there. I love it. You know, so in, in that movie, I forget the name of the actual town, what they call it, Bob, um, Tony. Hogs and Tony, but it was actually filmed in Woodstock, Illinois. So uh, before I moved back to California, I actually lived in Woodstock right after I got out of the Navy for, for a couple years. And I, I played uh, – I, I was a bowler. I was in a bowling league for the two years I was there with my neighbors across the street. And that's actually the bowling alley where, where Bill Murray – you know, bowls is three hundred. It's it's uh it's called Wayne's Lanes in in um, Woodstock, Illinois. So there's your tidbit for the day. That's oh. a dragcast first, baby. Wayne's Lanes, dragcast first, you say? Oh yeah. Dragcast first. <laughs> Wayne's. Oh Lanes. man. Well, I, we could probably just BS the whole show, but nobody really wants to listen to that, do they? Uh, that's why we bring on people much smarter and brighter than us. And this week we have a, a special guest, Rami Abraham. Now, Rami does a lot of different things. He uh, He's a developer lead over at Maintain, which is a company that uh, we're familiar with because it's a part of Web Dev Studios. Uh, and you're also one of the co-organizers of WordCamp Lancaster. And according to your Twitter bio, which I love to read on the show now, it's my new thing, you are literally writing a musical. Rami. I want to hear about this musical. How's it going, man? Hello, gentlemen. Hey, you. I mean, I'm very excited to have you on. So, Rami, uh, I've known Rami a number of years, way before we even worked together. Uh, I think we first met probably around WordCamp in Baltimore, uh, eating a, what was the uh, crazy hot mess hot dogs? The beast. At, the beast. If a hot dog is named the beast, <laughs> the best time to consume uh, that is at, at 3 a.m. in the morning. Is, uh, 
chili, macaroni and cheese, cheddar cheese, fried onions, uh, half pound uh, Polish kielbasa, and some other stuff we couldn't really identify. Oh, oh it's a gut buster, and I'm t- it is the best choice at 2 a.m. In, in downtown Baltimore after a word camp. Maybe not the next day, but during, at that moment, that precise moment, there is nothing better you could be eating. So let me ask you this. Is this anything in comparisons to California's big wow, which is El Matador, oh, a God. burrito the size of... Uh, I don't want to talk about that. About your three-month-old baby. Like, it's just ginormous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tried to tackle... Jerry and I both tried to tackle the Matador, and uh, it didn't end well. Let's just leave it at that. It did not end well. <laughs> it's still sitting somewhere around my left area of my uh, lower abdomen when what you're trying to eat is is like literally the size of your head or bigger probably shouldn't eat it or try to eat the whole thing bad idea doesn't end well so now that we're uh let's move past the food cast let's let's maybe we should start talking about something beyond food and dre's diapers uh so robbie man we haven't had you this is your first time on the show i'm super excited because uh uh, you're one of the smartest guys I know. You, you you dabble in a lot of stuff. Like you're just very into technology. I can't just, stop. You can't myself. stop. Like you literally have your fingers in. I mean, you're into WordPress, obviously, a lot. But you have your fingers in a lot of stuff. So, what's like the new hotness? What's the new technology? What's the what's the really cool stuff you're playing with these days? Well, I know everyone's expecting me to say something about JavaScript. Um, Never heard of it. And that's certainly true, but the new hotness is doing old stuff with JavaScript. Uh, Retro gaming emulation. I'll have some bar tricks about this later. Uh, Retro graphics and systems emulation. There's some pretty amazing stuff going on right now uh, with that in particular. Um, All of the... uh, Hot recent topics, uh, for example, performance benefits was a big JavaScript issue uh, this year when using different transpilers. Uh, who cares? You had me at transpilers. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. Everything old is new again. And honestly, I think that's true. Like in technology and just, you know, lifestyles in general, like we're seeing a lot of trends kind of surface back. And like you mentioned emulators. I mean, you know, I feel like. You know, me, obviously you, and a lot of other people are really just digging, getting into kind of old school games that we grew up with, getting into, you know, Nintendo, 8-bit Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, man, when I was, I was dead broke, I couldn't dream of it. picture this either. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, but it's true, right? Like, and, and I don't know if it's because the new games these days are so beyond everything we ever thought could happen or experience, or they're so freaking complicated that every time I turn it on, there's a two hour update I have to wait for. And I just enjoy flipping on a good Mario Brothers three or something and just getting right into it or what. But yeah. I mean, what is it a nostalgia thing? Is it like you said, old meeting new technologies is reviving it? Like, what is what is bringing this stuff back? I think uh, accessibility, how, how widely accessible it is to all kinds of different people, is just making this community explode. Before it was, you had to purchase a, a Super Nintendo or a Genesis or whatever old thing. You had to hunt down cartridges. There's this golden age where you could find them at flea markets if you were lucky. Now it's all collectors, even on like the Goodwill auction site. You got a particular RPG on there, it's going to be like $400. Now we can get this whole system going for $20, $30. crazy. If somewhere would stock the Raspberry Pi Zero, it would be $5. But they're. (laughs) The (laughs) Raspberry. And talking games, I mean, they go way back. Like when I had yeah. my red black lumberjack with that hat to match, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> well, Dre goes a little bit further back than we do. I mean, his he was in the arcades playing Pong, I think, dropping his dimes in there, singing about Pinball Wizard. Centipede, not... <laughs> Centipede, <laughs> Centipede, the new hottest. But you mentioned Raspberry Pi. I know you're a big Raspberry Pi geek too, and you've kind of gotten me very interested in it because I've seen you've been showing me some of the stuff you did. You helped me build out my Raspberry Pi as an emulator, emulation station. Um, I mean, Raspberry Pi is pretty damn cool if you're not into it. Like, tell, explain to people one what it is. I would think most people know by now, but explain what it is and what are some of the cool things people are doing with the Pi these days. It's been 
pretty unbelievable. E even with WordPress specific stuff, um, one of the things I've been working on uh, with free time is really tuning uh, Raspberry Pi to use it for a dependable development server uh, for WordPress stuff. So getting uh, getting everything installed. In this particular case, I'm using a very light version of Linux called Arch Linux. But you're talking about a, uh, an investment under $50. You need a micro USB cable. Uh, you need an HDMI uh, monitor, which a lot of people just have sitting around in their closet unused. And there you go. You have a device that's external uh, mm -hmm. from your computing environment. as uh, you know, Brad, some months ago there was a, a project with some pretty aggressive uh, Elasticsearch stuff going on at work. And boy, running two VMs, one with uh, VVV going and the other with a Java runtime environment uh, at the same time on a MacBook is a disaster. So now you get this freedom. You can do unbelievable stuff. On top of that, people are using WordPress to power home automation yeah. devices. There have been talks at conferences so cool. about this already. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, I have one downstairs that powers uh, my server with a great little app called Plex Media Server. Mm. Love um, Plex. I use it as well for media server at home. Brilliant, yeah. It's just, I mean, the fact that it's a, essentially a mini computer, what is it going for? I think the latest version is 35 bucks. Um, you mentioned the new, what was the new one called? Raspberry Pi 1? Zero. Raspberry Pi Zero. Sorry, not one. We're not quite to one yet. We're at zero. And that's $5, a freaking $5 computer. And all you need essentially is, you know, a cord to hook it into a monitor. And like you said, once you or once you have hooked it to the monitor and set it up, you get it on your network and you can take it off the monitor. It just sits there as a little server running. You know, it's it's pretty impressive. That's that's neat. So this, um, this WordPress environment you're setting up, is that something you're going to release for the public maybe throw it on github and at least uh, if nothing else uh, instructions yes. on how to do so yes absolutely um essentially it's a bunch of shell scripts uh mm -hmm. which auto configure everything as a drop-in uh that'll be from cloning repos to configuring some baseline stuff um setting up dns setting up some default wordpress environments it's going to be cool, but the performance stuff is what I'm getting around um, in particular uh, to tuning. It would be nice to have something that's completely uh, separate and accessible via any network-connected device in uh, your home or office network so that anyone can, uh, anyone can make some edits. We certainly have the hardware there. Uh, that $35 Pi is a one gigahertz quad core processor with a, a gig of RAM. It's not going to run Photoshop or anything, but it's plenty for a lamp stack. That's awesome. So we also mentioned that you are co-organizing WordCamp Lancaster. Yes. Um, if you are not familiar, Lancaster is one hour uh, west of Philly. There you are, one hour west of Philly, and as close to it as it is every single year. I think this is the third year running. Is that right? It's the yes. third. I have literally had something I cannot get out of, and once again, I have something I can't get out of. So, There's this little thing out west. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, so some folks are putting something on called Pressnomics. Uh, <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> Yeah, Pressnomics is that weekend. Uh, Lancaster, though, it's really cool to see. Uh, it is a smaller WordCamp. I think we can all agree there. Um, but it's neat to see some of these smaller camps really um, they're starting to get a history, starting to get a track record. This is year three. Like you've had in, in a great first two years. I mean, you've had some really great speakers, some great turnouts, some, you know, by all accounts from what I've heard, some really great feedback. So um, what can uh, we expect this year? And what's, you know, what's different? What are you excited about? Tell us a little bit about it. Well, we're returning to a pretty excellent venue um, this year. Uh, it's the one we used last year. It has a lot of really great space. And for Dreadcast listeners, I am now going to reveal the attendee gift. Oh, so oh, 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 this is, would you consider this breaking news? Absolutely. 
Breaking News. Hi, I'm Rami Abraham. Welcome to Dradcast Breaking News. Today, our guest, Rami Abraham, hello, hello, uh, will be telling us about breaking news regarding the WordCamp Lancaster attendee gift. Rami, thank you, Rami. You're welcome. What do you have planned for the attendee gift? Well, Rami, yes, yes, no, I meant myself. Sorry, I refer to myself in the third person sometimes. It's okay. No problem, Rami. Oh, no, it's cool. Oh, no, I was talking to myself. Can we start over again? What is the attendee gift? Uh, well, it's custom wool scarves. Custom wool scarves. That's awesome. Uh, you heard it here first. I can't wait to get a get a look at that. I don't think I've seen scarves uh, as Never. a gift yet. Is this a, this is a is this a WordCamp first? I believe it is. Wow. It may be a tech conference first. You heard it here first, folks. Breaking news. Okay, use that bumper often, so I'm using it twice. <laughs> Dude, he used it twice, and that uh, was amazing. Rami, thank you, Rami. I appreciate the interview, Rami. Rami, have a good one. Thank you, <laughs> guys. So, um, I think we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Rami, welcome to the show, man. This has been uh, already awesome in the first few minutes. We've talked about diapers. We've talked about custom wool scarves. Um, a whole lot of Biggie Smalls. Life cannot get better. Maybe it can. Uh, but what we should do is probably move into this week's pressing topics. Of the week. Stand by. Pressing topics of the week. And you're on. A lot of crazy stuff going on, and we are moving fast. It's because we're over-caffeinated, but there's a lot of discussion, especially coming out of Matt Mullenweg's corner, addressing concerns uh, that WordPress may be moving too fast. Now, um, this is a direct kind of discussion here on WP Tavern, covering some of the the last releases and so on, but even at WordCamp um, U.S., we saw uh, some discussion points uh, appear, and there, there was some dialogue even in the state of the word around this, and uh, some con- concerns uh, about Word ca- or WordPress specifically moving too fast. Um, I'd like to hear your guys' take on this, uh, Brad. I think you've got a clip on this. Any chance we can get that played? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked. So this is a little context. This is Matt Mullenweg's state of the word, like you mentioned, Dre at WordCamp US, and he was responding to the question of is WordPress, uh, are the releases moving too fast? And here is Matt's response. Like three releases a year seems fast. And is that too fast for software developers? Can they keep up? Um, I think, well, one thing we can do is as we do these major updates, you know, be more proactive by improving the plugin directory so that users can share the burden of some of the testing and perhaps even some of the updating, you know, making plugins so they're less, you know, I don't think any plugin should be a one-person shop. It's best when there's many people involved. Just like if you look at everything that's doing super well in WordPress, including the plugin review team, it's a team. And the best plugins, part of the reason that we do the core plugins process is to provide the best practices for how plugins can work together and people can work together to develop things in the plugins. So, yeah, I think we can improve those tools, but I think we're probably going to get faster, not slower. The four releases this year as an aberration just kind of worked out that way. Faster and not slower. So anyone that thinks they're moving too fast, you better buckle up because Matt Mullenweg's about to hit the <laughs> gas pedal. But, you know, two things he touched on there that I think are interesting. One, he mentioned kind of upgrade the tool set around WordPress.org so users can help test a bit more um, and help with that testing. And then the other thing is that really plugins shouldn't be a one-person shop. So um, to the first point, user testing. In my experience, users don't help test crap <laughs> so uh unless we're talking about maybe a plugin that has you know a hundred thousand active users or a really passionate user base it is like pulling teeth to get users to, to install a beta to test it out to help give you feedback it is very very hard i mean would you robbie i know you have a number of plugins out there i know you support a lot of plugins uh, specifically around maintain i mean you know one of the being a lead dev over there one of the the jobs that maintain is to update plugins on you know a lot of production websites would you agree that increasing those tools or enhancing those tools and user testing could help absolutely it's never a bad idea to add tools and add some transparency around how that works in a way that seems more accessible um, to users, but 
I, on the other side of this, want to underscore that all this stuff is available. This is open. In fact, WordPress.org itself is a public repository. Uh, the plugin specifically, uh, the, a friend actually asked me uh, not too long ago, this was perhaps a month ago, how uh, we possibly keep up with breaking updates, with what plugins are available, with potential conflicts and stuff. I mean, do you just visit WordPress.org? And part of that, uh, as many do not know of the tools available to them and the extent to which they can really get involved. For example, I have every plugin uh, that's available on WordPress.org locally and a shell script that searches various terms, various coding issues that's running 24-7. Each morning I get a batch update uh, in my terminal that says, hey, this was changed and that was changed. Anyone can do this anytime. The, that um, script that pulls those plugins down and manages updating them has been available for five years. It was made by Mark Jaquith. Uh, if you search GitHub for the uh, for Jaquith plugin Slurper. There you go. And uh, around updating on the user side, I think that's a gray area. On, on one end, we have some manner of entitlement. Everything needs to work all the time. The uh, knowing of the difference between WordPress core and plugins is sometimes uh, a little undefined for people. Um, WordPress works all the time. Why doesn't XYZ Slider Plus Pro work all the time? Uh, and then on the developer side for breaking updates, well, guess what, buddy? That's what you signed up for. You know, WordPress moves at the speed of people, at the speed of the Internet. It's not arbitrary movements that the core team is doing here. Uh, so I, I think some manner of perspective on the plugin development side to uh, how long are you going to stay in the ring with this? Did you just want like a, a one night make a million sort of deal or are you going to anticipate releases when there's a release candidate that comes out? Are you going to look at those change sets and see how it's going to affect your business? Uh, uh, and if you don't know, then now you know suckers <laughs> so you mentioned mark jaquist uh plugin directory slurper a little disclaimer there's a lot of plugins so if you go and download oh, yes. <laughs> all of them there as of this recording there are forty-two thousand seven hundred and thirty plugins so that slurper is going to download all of those so mm -hmm. multiply that however many files it's going to take a minute to get that down and it's going to take up some space but it's definitely a cool project it's on github um, yeah, I mean, you know, that, I think that is part of the problem, Rob, I mean, and, and probably that um, goes to uh, Matt's second point of it shouldn't be a one-person shop. I think a lot of people get into plugins, they get excited, whether just to help the community, to get some code out there and say, look, I got a plugin, maybe to, to have bigger goals and ideas around, you know, monetization and, right. and, and building an empire and, you know, making millions of dollars and, and hanging out with people like Rami at WordCamps. Uh, but, you know, I think that is part of the struggle is because as a one-person shop, if you will, you know, even maintaining a handful of plugins can be a lot of work when there's three releases a year. And that doesn't include the point releases, which are uh, on average about once a month. So you're looking at, and you're looking at on an average of about 10 to 12 Releases a year. Port releases are generally much quicker to test, but still should be tested. So, um, I mean, should WordPress? I mean, should plugins have more than one person? Should there be a team that needs to support them to to be able to make sure they are up to date and current, so that people can trust that the plugins are reliable? I think that's a, a variable question, but possibly some of that to be answered with business and, and time and those resources. But one thing worth noting is there are a lot of notable one-person uh, shops that are known as dependable. You know, 
uh, Pippin, for example. Um, I do some support at Affiliate WP, and this uh, uh, suite of plugins he has now, Easy Digital Downloads, Affiliate WP, they're certainly very successful, popular, mm -hmm. but there's a time, you know, it was just Pippin out there. He's releasing as Mordoc uh, and Code Canyon. Um, he is releasing a bunch of free stuff on .org, and it was still him. And you know, he made a name for himself. A lot of uh, other people uh, have done this because they stay on top of it. And the the note you had about uh, code quality, best practices, the core. Uh, Core committers are never going to do something like deprecate register post type or update post meta or something bizarre that would break every plugin that registers a post type or adjusts post meta. So these are soft updates with you know lots of soft deprecation that's slowly shoehorned in. Yeah. I mean it it you know it comes down to in my opinion, as a developer, to one, keeping tabs on what's coming in the latest version and understanding what that means for your plugins. I think one, one big update that comes to mind that was a bit challenging was the big media manager rewrite that happened, and this has been a while ago now. Um, I can't remember the version, 3.4, 3.5, I don't know, 3.3, somewhere around there. It basically rewrote the entire media management section in, in JavaScript. Um, now... They certainly maintained backwards compatibility, but it also introduced some new um, enhanced functionality that you know wasn't necessarily accounted for. So things like clicking from one field to another in the new version automatically saved, and the old version did nothing until you clicked update. Well, that's a on the surface, yeah, it's not going to break anything, but that's a big change if you built some custom logic into the media manager. That's a huge change. Um, and I remember we were actively in a project when that update came out, and we essentially had to rewrite everything we did to account for that. Um, it's something to consider, especially, you know, we have a lot of experience around the, the services side of the house, right? Building WordPress sites for, for clients. Um, I think that is one of the bigger challenges is when you're in that sector because you're building custom, you know, apps, custom plugins, custom themes for clients with very specific requirements, um, and you don't always know what's coming down, and it might be a six-month project, it might be a 12-month project, and next thing you know, you're potentially having to revamp code in the middle of a project because something drastically changed. Um, yep. And to be honest, I don't know if there's much you can do about it other than just keep your ear to the streets and make sure you're aware of what's coming and kind of plan ahead. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. but Yeah, that's exactly it. There was uh, an update at work recently um or uh, an issue concerning an update for WooCommerce. And the uh, developer lead on that project, Chris, uh, pinged me and said, you know, what are the caveats to the WooCommerce 251 update? I noted some stuff about the WPCLI and uh, REST editions and some stuff that was changed. And that was it, just that awareness. He's like, great, that's awesome. Um, However, that is another good example of a uh, a plugin shop that has some pretty strong thoughts on deprecating stuff and removing old stuff uh, with breaking changes. Everyone remembers the WooCommerce 2.0 update, uh, which was, I think, in uh, December. I just remember it... Um, destroying my life for like a week <laughs> <laughs> and then everything was fine and and they're you know passionate and getting better about it um it's definitely a gray area though how much do you want to introduce new features and push your project forward versus break things for people that aren't doing things uh, the way that you've outlined in your documentation. And I think, you know, as service-based businesses, um, it's something to take into account when you're putting a project scope together. You know, if, if your project scope is six months, guess what? 
new versions of WordPress are going to come out while you're building that project. Factor it in. You know, have a conversation with your client. Make sure they're aware. They may not realize how often WordPress is updated. So make them understand, hey, you know, there's going to be one, if not two, releases during this this build. So we need to factor some QA time in, some testing time, to make sure what we're putting together is as, um, you know, feature complete as it can be. So it's an interesting topic. I, you know, I, I, I've liked the fast pace personally, but I know some people struggle with it and have challenges. Yes, what you just said. Uh, actually, audio got cleaner, which is beautiful. Now, I want to move on to something that's uh, it's pretty interesting here that uh, was released also on the Tavern. Um, you know, WordPress.org is getting some love this year, uh, 2016. In addition to a beautifully redesigned login page, the testimonials page is in the process of being completely revamped. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about the value behind that. They're going to use um, – they're going to do it with uh, the hashtag I love WP social media campaign. Um, I think it's a pretty cool way uh, to, to really start to note uh, some, of the, some of the cool stuff that's happening uh, in the community with the project. Uh, and I'm interested to see kind of where it goes. What do you guys think about this whole setup? I love it. I mean, it's uh, one, anytime a, a section of WordPress.org gets revamped, I'm usually happy about it because there's some, some sections are so stale. Um, this one is one I didn't even really know existed, so certainly it had to be stale. Um, I think it's a really cool campaign. It's been fun to see some of the tweets coming out. Um, they've only posted about six of them on the page, though, so I'm hoping that someone at some point is going to like aggregate that a little bit better and get some more up there. But it's been neat. If you search the I Love WP hashtag on Twitter um, and just look at not only tweets but pictures and, and just to hear you know various reasons because I think we all have our own um, or an ideas of why WordPress is special to us, why it means so much to us. Some may be similar, some may be different, but we all have that story, and it's all part of what makes us one of the best communities out there, in my opinion. So it's it's been fun to see that story in, in 140 characters or less from people I know, people I don't know, like just across the board. Some people, like, I, I feel the exact same with what they're saying. Some maybe I didn't even think about. It's It's really cool. I mean, it's just a neat... A neat use of, you know, kind of a social whatever uh, to, to really hear these stories. Yeah, I saw the uh, the whole campaign here and read a bunch of them and, you know, hit the compose button and I couldn't even articulate why, <laughs> you know. Did you just like, blah, 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 tweet? <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't even uh, end up tweeting anything. Yeah, I actually There's didn't so either. Many <laughs> sentiment. Uh, I love WP because the three of us are talking right now on the freaking best podcast in the history of the internet. Um, and we get to do this, you know, Dre and I get to do this every week and talk to people that are a lot smarter than us and have really cool stories and ideas and, and uh, thoughts to share. Um, and just for where we're at, man, you know what would be really cool is to see like uh, – I see a few videos on the hashtag. I think it'd be really fun, maybe at WordCamp US or something, to do a kind of an official I Love WP booth. Get literally ten seconds or less videos. Yeah. Of, cool. Walk up like you know. I don't want a five minute ramble. You got ten seconds. You got whatever. Uh, Fifteen seconds. Why do you love WP? And then and put that in a really cool kind of montage. Get the montage going. That'd be that'd be pretty slick. Maybe I'll bring that up with the organizers. Do it. Do it. Yeah, I think that'd be slick. You should do this for uh, WordCamp US coming back in Philly in 2016. So you should probably get on that. They're uh, stat, uh, buddy. Uh, so check this out. Uh, Senators, once again, I, I just I, – I get nervous at America's uh, you know political leadership and some of the crap that they come up with, man. Uh, again, we've got some whiny senators, and in this instance, they're whining about FCC's 25 uh, MBPS broadband standards. Okay. They insist nobody needs that much bandwidth. I mean, like, that's not that <laughs> bandwidth. I, I don't know what the hell they're yeah. talking about. We're behind, like, there was, there was probably more you know, bandwidth being piped into houses in Italy when I was stationed over there in the early 2000s. And here we are, supposed to be leading from a tech perspective and all this other crap. And we're complaining about this shit at at the political level still. Like, this is why we don't we don't 
advance uh, from you know a technological perspective, infrastructure, anyways, as quickly as we could, because of the the you know the red tape that we run in here. What, what's your guys' take on this crap? I mean, <laughs> you know to put it in perspective. Um, I just quickly pulled up Wikipedia. It has a list of countries by average internet connection speed. There we go. Here we go. Good old Wikipedia, right? I love it. So I don't know if you'll guess what number one is. What country has the – and this is average across the whole country, but the highest average connection speed. I would not have guessed. It's like Iceland or Greenland or Poland or something, isn't it? It is. Dre, you got any guesses? Uh, no, it's Europe somewhere, somewhere in Europe. Cause Pajan. You guys are off. South Korea. Awesome. <laughs> 20.5 megabits a second. That's the average. That's pretty damn good for a country. But, uh, yeah, the United States is all the way down here. It looks like number 14th. It'd be awesome if they had numbers. Make me count. But um, we're down here like 14th at 12.6 megabits per second on average. Um, behind countries like South Korea, Switzerland, Norway. I think somebody mentioned Norway. Japan, Netherlands. Uh, dropping a link for you guys now. The UK is ahead of us, Belgium. I mean, it's just, it hurts. It hurts my oh, heart. So limited by, by just bureaucracy. And I mean, what it comes down to is the definition of broadband. So when a company says, we have broadband, well, what does that mean? Because the FCC is now, you know, they are the ones that kind of state, what does broadband mean? And that definition is extremely important because it means how a company can portray or how they can market their services by saying, you see all these commercials, you know, Fios, Broadband, Xfinity, Broadband, whatever, Time Warner. Um, but if they don't have the speeds that hit these minimums, they can't call it broadband, right? Yeah. So that's a big deal. That, yeah. And they're saying, you know, 25 megabits down, 3 megabits up is too high. You know, we're, we're even if that were – so let's say oh, that happens over the next three to five years, okay? By the time that's implemented, we're going to be back, right back – that would put us at the top of the list now. If by standard, that was that was our, our minimum, right? So by the time that gets implemented, I mean, we're going to get surpassed by the same folks that are on this list ahead of us today. So to me, that's not this groundbreaking kind of, you know, lead from the front idea – uh, that's just really getting back into a place where we remain in the same place on this list five years from now. We're behind Belgium. <laughs> Bel- and uh, to be fair, Belgium's like the greatest country in the world because it's all about chocolate, waffles, and beer. So, you know what? I'm okay with being behind Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's great. I mean, it's it's funny because you look at this letter and it just cr- makes you cringe that the, the, the senator sent to the FCC and basically said, look, you know, Netflix, Netflix only recommends five megabits, you know, for, for high definition. But, like, okay, that's not the point. The point is this is broadband for an entire house. It's You don't have – rarely do you have one person doing one thing that takes internet in your entire house. Most houses have more than one person probably doing more than one thing that require internet at any given time. And it's, you know, I, I think 25 – down and three up is is a pretty respectable standard to call that broadband. I, I you know I think prior to that, prior to that is pathetic. It was four megabits down, one megabit up, and that is absolutely not high speed at all, in my opinion. So, so in so- adolescence, I uh, like a lot of people would see statements like this from politicians and just think, "Wow, this person is a complete idiot. They have no." place making decisions like this, certainly not on technical matters. And gradually, uh, I don't know if someone told me or if I read some stuff on it, um, I was made aware of the lobbying and that essentially uh, corporations can pretty much buy senators and uh, sway their vote as they like to. So on the one hand, I'm comforted that there aren't massively massively stupid people uh, that are saying this stuff uh, but the fact that it's being entertained at all counters that like ha- how does this even flow is is where um, I'm prevented from going any further into this like if I were going to be some manner of activist and like try to make some sort of change maybe get a petition going some activist group or whatever 
you're you're blocked here. How do you get? Yeah, I mean, this gets people like this. It gets into the politics, which is couldn't be more frustrating. Like you said, I mean, it's it's lobbyists, it's the ISPs pushing on the politicians to say, hey, it shouldn't be this high because they don't want to offer it this high. They also don't want to, you know, set up infrastructure that can offer this type of speeds in you know rural America in spots that aren't major cities. Because if they don't, right now, they get, hey, we got broadband. It's four megabits down, DSL. It's all good. It's broadband. Don't worry about it. You know, like, no, it's not. And, and you know, yeah, they already hit the major cities. They're not hitting the smaller areas of the country. And it's all to them a marketing thing, you know. So they're obviously going to throw millions and millions of dollars at, send, you know, politicians to try to get that reduced, which is insane. Um, it's unfortunate because this type of stuff is really stifling innovation, in my opinion. I think we'd all agree. Like broadband, remember, I was actually just talking to my cousin about this. Remember how a decade ago the conversation was all about hard drive space, hard drive space. Mm-hmm. I need gigs. I need gigs. I can't wait till we get to terabytes, maybe a little bit more than a decade. I can't wait till we get to terabytes, right? It's all about terabytes. Now, most people don't give a shit about hard drive space because hard drives are so big, nobody's filling them up unless you're doing like hardcore media or something. Nobody's filling up hard drives. Now it's all about bandwidth. I need more bandwidth. I need more bandwidth. In a decade from now, nobody's going to give a shit about bandwidth. At least I hope. That's my hope, that we don't give a shit about bandwidth. But there will always be some other thing that we need more of. And technology, whatever is going to replace or come next, there's always going to be one other thing. So um, it's frustrating. I, it's only a matter of time. Like, we're making strides. And I, I really kind of compare. I think it's a very fair comparison between hard drives. Like, it's inevitable, right? This is just, they're just trying to slow down the process which is unfortunate because America is, is known as innovators. I mean, we we created the damn internet, and now we're the freaking 14th, you know, fastest in the in the world. That's ridiculous. Belgium. Dude, <laughs> chocolate, waffles, and beer. Like, awesome country. Oh, man. I don't know. I, I Jeez. I, I say we get rid of all these centers. Six senators signed this, man. Um, who, who, who knows? I, I'm so, I think, frustrated with the whole kind of political climate and everything that's going on with uh, elections and yeah, crap that it's, it's like. And you see stupid shit like this. It just drives me batty, dude. It's only going to get worse um, until after November, my friend. <laughs> no, I know. We're I know. hot and heavy right now. Yeah. No, it's, it's just <laughs> frustrating, man. Um, it so, is. Uh, look, there's been a, a lot of kind of uh, scuttlebutt, uh, a lot of discussion around Twitter and its status and kind of where it's going and what's happening with it. They've had some challenges over the last couple of years. You know, monetization strategies. Um, uh, Jack's kind of back. He's left. He's back. I don't know what the hell is going on. But the latest um, to come out this week was that uh, five of their top executives departed basically overnight. Uh, so they, they kind of just uh, grabbed their shit and rolled out. I mean, we're talking uh, wow. kind of a big deal here uh, for a company that's in the position that they're at. You know, Jack tried to kind of back talk it a bit saying, hey, it's, it's not as bad as you think. Uh, let me talk you know, down some of these rumors. Uh, Adam Bain, their COO, is kind of taking some, some additional responsibilities onto his plate. Uh, I, I don't know what the hell is going on here, but is this like the end or the beginning to the end? Or wh- where are we at? It seems to be the natural progression for a lot of social networks. You get a, a solid initial service. Um, you have no monetization strategy or perhaps you have something vague. And uh, eventually, um, you reveal that the product is the user and the uh, data mining and marketing efforts uh, that you um, use those users uh, to sell to advertisers. So the social network tries to add it more and more. They bloat up their platform. They keep adding uh, conditional logic and ad retargeting. And eventually, it becomes this nightmare Windows 95-esque behemoth like Facebook. Uh, so people go to the new hotness. And then new hotness. that new hotness does the same crap. And now Twitter is like injecting more and more ads. Uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, pushing ads on you. Uh, like it's telling pretty much every user that uh, they should be creating ads uh, we have the moments thing. Like, what the fuck was that? I mean, it's <laughs> just the most bizarre departure from logic. Meanwhile, they're doing stuff on the technical side. Like, anytime you upload an animated GIF, uh, they transcode it to an MP4 file and then embed it in the element 
so that you can't uh, hotlink to it or grab the source or do anything useful with it that tons of people are going to do. So then this new hotness comes out, Peach. Doesn't do crap. It's got a weird interface. You can't address multiple people at once. Are there ads on it? No. But damn sure they're going to have ads on it in a couple years. And then the new hotness is going to come and we'll move to Apple. Or I guess there's already a company called Apple. <laughs> Maybe Banana. Bananas oh, are delicious. Man. How yeah, do they I mean, get out of this with shareholders like reaching down their throats? That's the problem. They have shareholders. That I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's there's a really interesting graph. We'll have this in our show notes. It's on Business Insider, but it shows uh, it shows the growth of Twitter, active user growth, um, and how it slow slowed. So it basically shows the signups from this goes back to the first quarter of 2012 up through the last quarter of 2015. It shows the overall user base grow from 138 uh, million up to 311 million. Um, and this is active users. So these are people actively using the site. Uh, but then it, it, it shows basically the growth between each uh, quarter and how it's gone from like, I don't know, you know, freaking 100% down to like 15%. It's, you know, they don't have specific numbers, so I'm just looking at a little graph. But um, you can tell that it's definitely on a downward trend in terms of uh, from quarter to quarter um, active user growth. And I think that is the problem. They have they have shareholders to answer to. They have investors to answer to. Um, they need to make money, and to do that, they need more active users, right? Because it is a weird pla- it's a weird platform to monetize. But if you have a billion users, like anything's possible, right? So I don't know. Like it's really weird. I was just thinking about it the other day. Like this will be my ninth year on Twitter in uh, April. So in a couple months, I'll have been on Twitter for nine years, um, which doesn't feel like I've been on for that long, but it's like, it's this old wow. site now. It's not that new of a site. You know, I joined 2007. Right. That was nine years ago, you know? I mean, so yeah, I think I was 07 or 08, so somewhere roughly where you were at, yeah. Yeah, you start really thinking about it in terms of that, and I think 2006, seven, you know, six is when it really started to blow up in the tech sector. Um, so there's people that have been on for a decade. Um, they have some serious problems and some serious struggles. I think, I agree, I think it was... I think it was seen as something that was more what well, was bigger than it should have been. They mentioned this article on Business Insider mentioned things like uh, Groupon and Zynga and how they oh, man. really underperformed. Uh, were really hot there for a minute and just kind of d- took a took a dump. You know, once they went public, um, it's unfortunate. I I hope they figure something out. There's a lot of rumors about a buyout potentially being sold. That might be something to give it a kickstart. Who knows? Facebook. Facebook to buy them out. Google who buys uh, them out. I hope not. You know, I, I think it. I could see a, a mass exodus if the wrong person buys them out. I mean, I don't. Uh, well, like, shit, it's already starting. <laughs> I've already said. I think whole, the whole kind of status update should be an open protocol. It should not be. Yeah, yeah a private. Just, a private service. Uh, you know, I, I think at this point it's gone well, well past that probably ever happening, but. Um, I don't know. I mean, I hope the wrong person doesn't bite out because then I, I would have serious concerns about the future of Twitter. But it would I not surprise me if something happens this year. Something will happen this year, whether uh, it's a buyout or a new CEO or something. There will be a big change at Twitter this year. There has to be because they're on a downward spiral right now. Game, The game is over, my friends. Um, geez. Uh Guys, if you're looking for hosting, I mean, I think that uh, anybody in the in the WordPress world has a great opportunity with uh, with the folks at Pagely are doing. Now, if you're not familiar with Pagely, uh, they're the most scalable WordPress hosting platform in the world. They've been around since the early days of uh, WordPress. Actually, the first um, uh, managed WordPress hosting provider uh, to hit the market, hit the space that I can recall, anyways, and at least. That's what they're telling me. So I'm, I'm going to believe them because they've been pretty amazing. Uh, they're, uh, they're doing some pretty cool stuff. In fact, in terms of their, their customer accounts and stuff, they've implemented some two-factor authentication capabilities, adding kind of an extra layer of security to, to all of that data that you, uh, you should be protecting. Uh, if you're looking for DNS services, they've implemented a new service called Press DNS Automatically Routes. Um, your user requests to one of the Pagely cache nodes closest to that user, making their uh, their response times faster. 
Also, if you're looking for a uh, virtual private server, uh, they've got a new rapid deploy VPS capability uh, that deploys uh, that allows you to deploy VPSs to nine regions. Uh, and what that does is it kind of uh, spreads out that, that load and gives, again, uh, the ability for you to have uh, VPSs close to you or close to your users. Uh, killing latency, faster response times, all that uh, fun stuff. So if you're uh, serious about your WordPress hosting, um, I'd go check out Pagely.com. Uh, they're they're kind of killing it, and they're pretty awesome. So is what it is. Uh, guys, I think we should go into an oldie but always a goodie. Brad, how about uh, we rock and roll this, man? Let's do some bar tricks. Let me show you bar trick oh it is a goodie isn't it yes sir this is uh kind of my favorite now i'm gonna rock this out because i'm going not you know just completely off topic here and damn right i like the life i live because i went from negative to positive and it's all good guys i'm leaving as as soon as two hours from now leaving my location in menifee california driving two and a half hours into the desert um to join sixty thousand people yeah, deuces. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Deuces. Yo, there's there's 60,000 people that are meeting up. Actually, started this last weekend, meeting up in the middle of, of uh, the California, Southern California desert for the world's largest set of uh, desert off-road racing events. Uh, it started on uh, uh, Sunday with the first set of uh, motocross events going into tomorrow, which is UTVs, all those razors and stuff. The Everyman Challenge on Thursday, and then the Ultra 4 Racing, which is the pros, on, on Friday. Um, as you all know, I'm in the GP community. Really enjoy uh, going and hitting the rocks and, and, uh, and the trails and stuff. Uh, but I've had the honor to be asked, along with a couple of my friends, to be part uh, of a racing team named Desert Turtle Racing. And you can find them on Facebook, facebook.com slash desertturtleracing or desertturtleracing.com. Um, and you will see the race car that they've built, the race Jeep that they've built over the next, next uh, last six months. The cool thing is it's like a six, seven-hour race. So they, they're traveling hundreds of miles through the desert. A lot of it's sand whoops, which they're hitting like at 60 miles an hour. And then they go through these like treacherous rock trails, people flipping over, uh, exploding their cars. It's just going to be epic. Uh, I will be with my buddies. We've been invited to work uh, the pits. So we will be um, helping them in case, uh, you know, through fuel uh, in the event that they – you know, get stuck and we need to recover them. I'm running chase vehicle with uh, with my Jeep Stank Eye. And you can see this race live at Ultra 4, the number 4, racing.com slash live. This uh, is going to air and start Thursday morning. It's called the Everyman Challenge brought to you by Smitty Belt. I am stoked, man. King of the Hammers. I guess the yes. official song there. Uh, and uh, side note, it's DesertTurtleRacing.com, not Dessert Turtle Racing. So uh, make sure you punch that in correctly. You're, you're going to get a very different experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> turtle Racing or Desert Turtle Racing? Uh, I got Desert that. Turtle. Okay, so <laughs> two teeth. Turtle that is of uh, that is of or pertaining to the desert. Yes. Racing. Yes. Okay. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to some pictures. I'm sure you're going to have a great time. Be safe. Yes, sir. Uh, don't, get, don't get too crazy in the stink eye. But no. <laughs> I've been in the stink eye. It's a fun ride. Not since you've done a lot of the upgrades, but uh, it was yeah. pretty awesome when I was in it. And that was, uh, I don't know, about a year ago or so? Uh, about two years ago. The crazy wow. thing is, like, if, if the, this is the opportunity to really kind of push it, right? There's going to be a lot of, lot of uh, all the professionals and stuff are going to be there. It should be. Should be epic, man. So the the right support team to learn from there. I'm 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 stoked. The stank guy, Rami. What do you got over at Bar Tricks? That sounds awesome. Um, I would love to hear what you're saying, but it would appear you're muted. <laughs> Good job. I was testing you, and you passed. I passed. Yes. Well, I would like to start with two. Uh, my favorite JavaScript libraries uh, lately. The first library is a Nintendo Entertainment System JavaScript emulator. Of course it is. <laughs> and the other is a pretty cool WebGL library called the Canvas Old School Demo Effect Framework. Uh, in particular, there, um, if it's something you want to get into and just see um, the kind of cool stuff you can do, 
It's available at WAB, as in BurgerKing.com. Um, so the WebGL um, implementation is strongly typed, and it's uh, kind of a bitch. Uh, it inherits a lot of the OpenGL structure, and um, this and a lot of other frameworks kind of take a lot of... Uh... Yes. There we go. So that nice JavaScript emulator, whoever's listening, you know, work it into your next client project. Um, enterprise stuff, government, doing a giant scalable WooCommerce site, great. Every time they want to use a coupon code, they need to beat Battletoads. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. This is neat. You can just play them right in the browser. And yeah. W A B is in BurgerKing.com. Very cool. We'll yes. have these in our. Uh, we'll have the the links to these in our show notes, so you can check them out. Um, and my bar trick of the show is this is a post that came up on Reddit. You may have seen it. I thought it was. Uh, Pretty, pretty damn funny. Based in uh, very relevant to our Raspberry Pi discussion, but this uh, gentleman set up his Raspberry Pi to automatically tweet at Comcast Xfinity. It's relevant to a couple of our discussions, actually. So his Raspberry Pi would automatically tweet Comcast Xfinity whenever his internet speeds drop significantly below what he paid for. That and he, he set up a special Twitter account. It's A underscore Comcast underscore user at Twitter. Um, and he set some thresholds. So he pays for 150 down, 10 up. Um, and he set some thresholds. So basically, if the download speed was below 50 megabits, um, he would fire off a tweet. If the internet went down, it would fire off a tweet. I'm not entirely sure how that would happen if the internet was down. But um, it's a pretty cool idea. Uh, he basically has fired off a number of que- tweets in the last few months. Um, and he shared his source code, which uh, appears to be written in Python. Um, but it's a really kind of neat, another really neat application of a Raspberry Pi. So he basically set this up just to complain to Comcast that he wasn't getting what he's paid for. And I think a lot of us have felt this frustration when you're paying for 50 up and down or 150 up and down and you're lucky to get five and you're like, what the hell, man? I called one time because they, it was, it was just significantly uh, uh, degraded and they finally, finally show up over here. I'm telling them the problems. They come over here with like an iPad. So I'm like, how the hell are you going to test, like, the DMARC with an iPad? You don't have a piece of Cat5. You have no testers, nothing. So, like, they couldn't do shit. So it ended up being, like, another week before they got a tech. Ah, oh, man, it's just a disaster. So, yes, yeah. I felt your pain. Yeah, I like yeah, this. That's I mean, excellent. It's great. It got a lot of traction on Reddit. He's got, a, like, a bunch of, couple thousand followers on his automated account now. But it's kind of a fun little example of, kind of neat things you can do with the raspberry pi so he just has this plugged in the corner hooked up to his network and it uh it just periodically checks his network i think once a day or something like that and if it's below these threshold that he set guess what comcast is getting a tweet about it that's great so definitely check it out man those are awesome i love when we go old school with some bar tricks man. oh yeah Jeez, rami man what up where with you and you've got the the word camp coming up, uh, Lancaster. What what else you got going on? What what coming events, if any? And where to start? <laughs> a bunch of stuff. Some conferences, a bunch of uh, projects in various states right now. Uh, the musical thing I'm uh, committed to, but it's on hold until after word camp, Lancaster. Um. Mm-hmm. It is a musical about JavaScript, in fact. <laughs> of course uh, it is. They have a wide variety of people, some that happen to be JavaScript developers and also like singing, so that's cool. Um, currently uh, wrapping up the primary score, then I have to go through lyrics and stuff. One of the things I hadn't considered is... Um, I'm not really qualified to write a musical at this time <laughs> in my life, so <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah, figure it out as you go. From there, there's, uh, of course, Lancaster um, putting together a side project site, uh, JavaScript.audio, uh, with some explorations of the web audio API, which is so far from launching, but some good work in there. 
Um, and I also make stupid Vine videos, uh, which no one should check out, but they are really great. But they're terrible. You should well, check them out, though. Do not check them out. If they didn't want to check them out, where they, where should they not check them out at? Uh, there would be links at my site, RamiAbraham.com. Um, you can also visit Maintain.com, AffiliateWP.com. No. <laughs> I, should, I should not check those out live on the air. That's what I shouldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not that one. Uh, the WordCamp Lancaster site is at lancasterpa.wordcamp.org uh, slash 2016. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. This has been a crazy, yeah, awesome yeah. episode. Um, it, I wouldn't have expected anything less. Certainly appreciate you coming on board. Um, Thanks for having me. What, uh, my pleasure, certainly. Uh, Brad, what? Jeez, man, where can people find you there, Sunshine? Oh, if I'm not riding shotgun and stank eye, you can track me down on Twitter, Williams B A. Facebook.com slash Project Stank Eye if you want to check out the Jeep. We've been uh, having some fun building that thing. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dre Meta until Twitter shuts down or gets bought by Facebook. We'll see what happens. For the Rad and Drad, thanks for joining us in episode 090 with Rami Abraham. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the Dragcast. We out. for listening. If you have content for the show, want to submit to be a guest host, or just want to listen to previous shows, visit dragcast.com. While you're there, make sure you click the iTunes subscribe link to catch us on iTunes. Don't forget to follow at Dragcast on Twitter. Join Brad and Dre for a new guest host next time on another episode of the Dragcast.